could open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 29. It's going to be our passage of Scripture this morning. So good to be together with you, church, this morning. Looking forward to this passage of Scripture that we're going to read. If you could open up your Bibles or on your phones to Deuteronomy 29, we're going to be reading a lengthy passage of Scripture this morning. This sermon is going to cover Deuteronomy 21 through to the end of chapter 31 in our series this morning entitled Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And so if you could open up your Bibles, we're going to read together God's Word. And um, one of the things that just we have such a conviction of here at this church is that the Word of God has power to transform your soul just by hearing it read. The Holy Spirit can come and touch your heart. So let us read carefully together today as a church family the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work and transform our, our souls. So Deuteronomy 29, we're going to begin in verse 1. Let's read God's Word together. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And if I could get the first map uh, projected, uh, the Wilderness Wanderings map, uh, that would be great. Yeah, this this map here is excellent. Um, what you'll see here is you see the Wilderness Wanderings. They begin over here in Egypt and they travel down to Sinai, and then they travel up into the wilderness of Zin here in the area of Kadesh Barnea, and they spend 37, over 37 and a half years here in this area because they sent the spies into the land and didn't believe the report of the goodness of the land, and then they stayed there um, because the Lord kept them there for an additional time, and then they traveled down south and ended up as they were arriving to head into the promised land, they headed up north and they fought some battles up here towards the end of the book of Numbers, the people of Israel did. And then they ended up down here, right around uh, Mount Mount Nebo, where Moses dies, right about here in just a couple chapters. So they're camped out here in in the land of Moab, in the plains of Moab, on the uh, eastern bank of the Jordan River, which flows down here. They're going to cross over right here, but they haven't crossed over yet. So Moses is talking with them right now and giving them sort of a final speech before he dies. That's what we're reading today. A final speech for Moses before he dies here in the plains of Moab to the second generation of Israelites who are about ready and who are on the verge of entering the promised land. So I hope that gives you a sense of the context. You can keep that map up while we're reading the word here. Verse 2. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, 
came out against us to battle, but we defeated them. And again, I just highlighted that, but that's up here in the north. And this is where uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh end up settling on this eastern bank of the Jordan River. And Moses says to them, you need to join us when we cross over into the western bank and conquer Canaan. And they agree to do that. The 12 tribes map's also up there. Could you put the 12 tribes of Israel map up if you have that? It'll show you where they end up settling, but they're not there yet. You'll see this area here, um, Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben settle on this side. And then the rest of Israel settles over on the uh, western bank of the Jordan River. And so right now, when they were talking about the, the battle with Moses, with Og, that took place up here. And they had cities completely already furbished out that were now conquered. And the cities were good. And the people of Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben asked if they could stay there. And they were granted there and they settled there. So that's kind of where we're at right there. Verse 8, we took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people, and that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today, before the Lord our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. So you see here, there's actually a a vision to this for generations yet to come, for the faithfulness of the people of Israel, for, for a generation yet unborn. Powerful. Verse 16. You know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed, and you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold, which were among them. Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, listen to this, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man, and the curses written in this book will settle upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in the book of the law. And the next generation, your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land will say, when they see the afflictions of that land and the sicknesses with which the Lord has made it sick, the whole land burned out with brimstone and salt, nothing sown and nothing growing, where no plant can sprout and overthrow like that of Sodom and Gomorrah 
Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and wrath, all the nations will say, why has the Lord done this to this land? What caused the heat of this great anger? And then people will say, it is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made out, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshiped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, bringing upon it all the curses written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath and cast them into another land as they are this day there. That's the first one of the first references to the exile that would take place if Israel is not faithful to follow the Lord. Verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them the mind among the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey His voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, and He will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, From there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there, He will take you, and the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. If I had to hone in on one verse today, it would have been that verse right there, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all His commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as He took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes that are written in the book of the law when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen carefully. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. 
and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days. What a phrase. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you. And you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. And we're going to see that theme picked up as we even head into Joshua. It's a wonderful theme. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. What encouraging words. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, as the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them. And they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will... Say in that day, 
have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they had done because they have turned to other gods. Now therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and have grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today. Before I have brought them into the land, I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. And then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. And we'll look at that next week. Let us pray for the scripture this week. Let's ask for God to touch us. Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage of scripture. And I pray that you would apply it into our hearts, Holy Spirit, with great power and anointing that we might be transformed by it. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of it and cause us to see Christ today in all of scripture. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, commitment to God is serious business. Commitment to God is serious business. And we're not saved ultimately because of our commitment to God, thank God, but because of His commitment to us. Amen? But commitment to God is serious business and not just outward conformity. Or looking good on the outside amongst people. God cares about the heart. He cares about our wholehearted inner commitment. The inner man. Loving him and being faithful to him. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. The first point is going to be secret things. Secret things. Secondly, circumcision of the heart. And thirdly, Moses nearing death. Let's look first at secret things. And if you could go back to uh, Deuteronomy 29 with me, and we'll just kind of hone in there. In uh, Deuteronomy 29, there's a there's an emphasis here on God having blessed the people of Israel by bringing them out of Egypt 
and redeeming them and saving them. The backdrop and the beginning of this call to renewal to covenant faithfulness is a reminder of the salvation by grace and by the power of God alone that the Lord brought about against Egypt. Um, there's this, this wonderful reminder about how the Lord has just blessed them and, and has delivered them out powerfully with great signs and wonders out of the land of Egypt to save them and redeem them and to bring them to this point of being on the verge of realizing the promise made to Abram all those many hundreds of years earlier when the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel and made promises to deliver them to the promised land. They're here right now and God's reminding them of his blessing and how he brought them out of slavery out of the land of Egypt. And may we always remember believers in Christ that God has likewise brought us out from the land of slavery to sin and the slavery to being under Satan's power and the dominion of sin and also leading to eternal damnation, eternal death. We were slaves to sin and Satan and death and God, through Jesus Christ, has delivered us out of that. Here, in the midst of this backdrop of reminding the people of Israel of His faithfulness to redeem them, there's a renewal of the covenant that takes place. And what we learn about here in this section is, it says in verse 9, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all you do. The Lord cares not just about us giving a nod to him and then kind of living however we want saying yeah i believe yeah i believe in god but then we live our lives however we want to live them but the christian life the life of faith is about commitment and obedience and submission to our god as our covenant lord He is the Lord of the covenant, and we are called to joyfully submit our lives as those who have been saved out from slavery to submit our lives to Him. God, in Genesis 15, cut a covenant. The word covenant, in shorthand, can be interpreted as a bond in blood. A bond made in blood. The Lord cut a covenant in Genesis 15, promising Abram that He would deliver the people of Israel to the promised land 400 years after they were in slavery, and he did. We're sitting here right here at about 1407 B.C., right before Moses is about ready to die, and they're about ready to realize the promise and see God show his faithfulness to fulfill his promise. And and the symbol for covenant faithfulness for the people of Israel, and we saw that in Genesis 17, was circumcision. It was a symbol of faithfulness to God and a removal away from the world when the the covenant was cut and the people of Israel committed themselves to the Lord and committed themselves to be faithful to God, which was passed on from generation to generation. Faithfulness to God's covenant and commitment to the Lord is Serious business, and God calls the people of Israel to turn their hearts wholeheartedly to Him. And He gives a warning here in the midst of this section of 29 where He says, Beware lest there be among you, verse 18, 
a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away. And we have to remember, Christ community, that the Lord here is talking through Moses to the people of God. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to those who are in the assembly. Lest there be anyone whose heart is turning away today. Beware lest there be anyone whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations that he delivered us out from. There will always be a temptation for us to go and serve the gods of Egypt and of Babylon. And brothers and sisters, we must not do that. We must beware of that tendency of turning away from God. And he goes on to say, beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. That phrase picked up in the New Testament as well and not letting a bitter root take place. In verse 19, one who, and here's the one who's allowed a bitter root to take place. Listen carefully. When he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. And in verse 20 says, the Lord will not be willing to forgive him. We live in a day where most people think that God's just going to really forgive everybody in the end. And we have to remember and allow our minds to be shaped by Holy Scripture on this. When someone is a true believer in God, if someone truly repents of their sins and trusts in Jesus Christ, they are saved, they're born again. And we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, brothers and sisters. We must always remember that. But we must also remember that the faith that saves, the faith that saves is never alone. It is always accompanied by visible acts and evidences. Saving faith is always accompanied by good works. Now we're never saved on the merit of good works. We're saved on the merits of Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So this isn't a shift in now let's earn our salvation. No, salvation's been earned by Jesus Christ. And by believing in Jesus Christ alone, we are saved by grace. Amen? But the way that we know whether faith has been genuine in the life of a professing believer is whether or not they walk it. Do they walk it? Do I walk it? And it's not enough to just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. And this is what this section of Scripture is talking about. There's actually some in the midst of the people of Israel who are professing to be faithful to the Lord, who are saying in their heart privately, they wouldn't say it outwardly, They're saying in their heart privately, and God's reading their mail and saying this. They're saying to themselves, this phrase, they bless themselves in their own heart. I'm good. Me and God are good. I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. God will forgive me. That's his job. But there's no desire to walk in covenant faithfulness, but rather instead to walk in the stubbornness of their heart. Brothers and sisters, we need to take heart and take heed to this word 
We need to be sobered by the reality and the temptation that this comes upon the people of Israel. It says that the Lord will not be willing to forgive him. The Lord will forgive any sinner who comes to him in repentance and faith. But if someone is merely paying lip service to God and they've never truly repented, they've never truly believed, and that's evidenced by they don't have a life that's being lived for God, they don't have a life that's obedient to the law of God, they're just saying, yeah, me and God, I, I believe in God, but I've got no interest in living for God, I'm living for myself. And I'm living in the stubbornness of my own heart, clinging to my ways. It actually says of that person in verse 20, the Lord will not be willing to forgive him. In the end, brothers and sisters, not everybody is saved. And not everybody goes to heaven when they die. We have got to remember that in our day. It is only those who have repented their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who evidence that by a life of not living for themselves, but living for God now. And none of us live for God perfectly. We still struggle with sin. But we are not stubbornly clinging to our old life. That's the difference. The stubborn clinging is an evidence of a hard heart. And if someone is hard-hearted and stubbornly clinging to unrepentant sin, and they're living and saying in their heart, me and God are good, I'm going to be fine on the day of judgment. Dear friend, please take heed to this word. Recognize that Moses is here talking to the congregation of Israel. He's talking to the church. And he's warning us. The Holy Spirit is warning us not to lightly just say, I'm safe. Friends, the only way that any of us in this room can be safe this morning is by trusting in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And also from turning away from our sin and our lifestyle of sin and in our heart, We've been clinging to our own ways. We've been living for the kingdom of self. God's saying, turn away from the kingdom of self and come and follow the kingdom of God. Come and obey and follow me and enter on this path of life. And it's all seen throughout this section. Beware, lest our hearts turn away. Beware, lest we say in our heart, I'll be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Dear friend, let me ask you this question as I ask it to myself right now. Because merely preaching this message doesn't ensure the reality of this in my own soul. Does God got your heart? Does He have your heart? And what evidences can you give to that reality you might say, oh, I am still such a struggling sinner who struggles with indwelling sin, but I love my Jesus. And I don't just say it with words. I back it up with my life being lived at my school and my life being lived at my job and in the home. 
with covenant faithfulness to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, as Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey my commandments. You say, Jesus, I love you. And that's evidenced by a life that backs it up with action and obedience. Does God got your heart? It is possible for every one of us to be deceived in this and just kind of think that we're going to church every week and we're just here and things are good and life is good and I'm having fun. And and God can be far from your heart. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, Jesus says, when he comes to the people of Israel in the flesh during the incarnation before he dies. Does God got your heart? Do you honor Jesus with your lips, but also back it up with your life on Monday morning as well? Brothers and sisters, let us not have a compartmentalized Sunday Christian existence. Let us be Christians through and through, 24-7, 365, and not deceive ourselves into thinking that just because I'm a churchgoer, I'm going to go to heaven. No one has ever been saved by churchgoing. The only way that you can be saved and that I can be saved is by trusting in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross on our behalf. Amen? Does He have your heart? And are you evidencing your faith with a life of obedience? Is your faith real? In other words, or would you say, if you were honest, I'm still walking in the stubbornness of my heart. Repent then, friend. If that's you, repent and turn to the Lord. Trust in Jesus that He might save you this morning. Be water baptized and seal it and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. At the next opportunity we have for water baptism and come out and commit because Commitment to God is serious business. It's not about, Christianity is not about just giving a nod to God and then living the way you want for the rest of the week. It is about wholehearted dedication and commitment to the Lord. And we learn that here from Moses as he's speaking to the next generation about ready to enter into the wilderness. People of Israel go into exile because of their lack of faithfulness. And that is a very serious thing. They abandoned the covenant of the Lord to serve other gods. Who are you serving? Are you serving God? Or are you serving yourself? Are you living for the kingdom of God? Or are you living for the kingdom of self? Point two. Circumcision of the heart. God will restore and gather you back from exile upon repentance and renewal, verse chapter 30 says. The Lord will bring them back from exile if they turn back to Him in repentance and in faith. And there we get a glimpse once again of God's covenant faithfulness to His people who are so unfaithful to Him. They wander, they go into exile, and then they turn to the Lord in the midst of their brokenness, and God comes to restore them. And how many of you can testify in this room right now that you're sitting in the chair you are right now loving Jesus 
Because God has come and rescued you again and again and again. I know I can testify to that and I praise him for it. I'm so thankful that God has done that. There's, there's this dilemma throughout this section where it's talking about covenant faithfulness, but it's also saying that the people of Israel are not going to be faithful. And you come into the midst of it and you're like, God, what hope is there for anybody? And then it says beautifully in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30, this precious promise that is a sighting of Christ and is also a sighting of the new covenant, even in the midst of the old covenant being renewed in the context that it's said. Verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. What hope do we have? This promise. God's going to do something. The Lord your God Oh, isn't he awesome, brothers and sisters? Will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. He is going to command us to obey him and then he is going to empower us to do what we could never do Without him. He's actually going to give. To us. What he requires. The Lord commands. And when the Lord gives a commandment in his law to a sinner. Ultimately that sinner can do everything they can to try to keep God's commands. But in their own strength. They could never do it. And that's the story of Israel, and that's the story of every one of us in here. That's why the Apostle Paul says, Oh, who will rescue me from this body of death? Because in the flesh, I cannot please God, though I try to do everything I can to please the Lord and keep His law. I can't do it unless the Lord does verse 6 to you. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, that you may live. This theme of circumcising your heart picks up on the language of of, uh, Genesis 17 with the circumcision with hands of the flesh. It's talking about here that what God is really after in that symbol of circumcision is He is after the heart of the worshiper. He desires for each of us To turn to the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul, as verse 10 talks about. Jeremiah 4 picks up on this and says this, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and give your heart to Him. In repentance and in faith, Jeremiah 4, verses 3 and 4, saying, Colossians 2 says this, In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him, 
through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Romans 2 verse 25 speaking of this says this, For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. And that's the situation Israel's in right here. And the Lord says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Oh, let us beware of outward religion, brothers and sisters. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit. Not by the letter. His praise is not from man. But from God. Oh, brothers and sisters, as it this language here of circumcision of the heart continues all throughout the Old Testament. I, I'm really affected by this with Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, this passage is really where our hope lies. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And then look at this. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I love that phrase. Verse 27. I will put my spirit within you. So not just with, but within in the new covenant. And cause you. I love this. Cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. Well, how is he going to cause us to walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules? Well, because when we are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get, we get a new heart. And that new heart enables us, as verse 6 says, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul that we might live. So God actually gives to us the ability to do that which without the new heart we could never do. I was trying to think of an illustration of this. And, and the only one I came up with, and I hope it helps all of you, and especially those of you who are teens in the church who have seen this movie. But in the movie Infinity Wars, Spider-Man grabbed hold of a ship early in the movie that was leaving the atmosphere and heading into space fast. And Spider-Man was dying because of the lack of oxygen and because he was about ready to enter into space in just his normal Spidey suit. Iron Man made a special new suit that came and attached itself automatically to Spider-Man without him doing anything. Giving him an instant upgrade that enabled him to breathe and to live and to operate in an oxygenless environment. To operate in space. He's about ready to die. He can't hang on any longer. And all of a sudden, a gift is given to him. 
that enables him to do what he could, could not do without that gift. In the new covenant, God, when we believe in Christ, gives us a new heart. A heart that the old heart could never live up to. It could never be faithful to God's covenant and obey his commands. But the Lord in the new covenant was so kind to promise that I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to cause you to obey me with this new heart. Oh, friend, do you have this new heart? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus? If you have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, God has given you a new heart. And you are able to walk around now and actually obey the law of the Lord with joy in a way that when you were in the flesh, the only thing you could scream out is who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, send the suit right into his heart, let him live, and then let him go forth and conquer. That's what God has done in the new covenant. He's done something that we could not ever do on our own. He has supplied everything that was lacking. He's even granting under, unto his people power from the Holy Spirit to obey his law in a way that they could never have done without his power. Ezekiel 36 is one promise. Look at Jeremiah 31 as we head into the home stretch here. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. And I will remember their sin. No more. So all of that is what God will do. But brothers and sisters, there is an emphasis here in chapter 30, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't hone in on this. Look at verse 15 and catch the urgency of it. Actually, 14. But the word is very near you. It's near you. It's not far this is not rocket science. It is not out of the reach of a child. And it's not out of the reach of anybody here. It is near you. Actually, this actual phrase, the word is near you, is picked up in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, when the word says, and the word is near you, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. In Romans 10, it's so powerful, brothers and sisters, what it says in Romans chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. The Word is near you. Don't use an excuse and say, man, I can't do what all these other spiritual people are doing in the church, 
because I can't be spiritual like all these other people, like Mr. Reyes or other people in the church. I can't be like that. That's not me. Listen, you don't need to be like anybody else here. Don't use the excuse of that to keep you away from Christ. Listen, teens, young people, give God your heart exactly where you're at, and the Lord will circumcise your heart. He will commit you to himself and bind you fast in covenant, and he will enable you enable you to take every step that you have in front of you. Don't live in fear any longer. Trust in him. And believe in Christ. And don't allow the thought of, you know what? All this God stuff is too much for me. And too far for me. God says, no, the word is near you. The word is near you. It's near you. It's not just near Mr. Edder. It's it's near you. And the Lord wants you to reach out today and lay hold of Christ that you might be touched. Look at that in verse 14. It's so precious. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Remember the little ones are hearing this too. So that you can do it. It's not beyond you. No matter where you're at in here this morning, you are not beyond God. He has done everything. He's come near to you. He's he's near you. Look at 15. There is a responsibility every one of us have, though. Look at it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them and live for the kingdom of self, I declare you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. In the new covenant, we understand that if we don't repent, we will go to hell and everlasting damnation. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for all of us to turn to Christ in repentance and genuine faith. 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. For everybody in this room and everybody outside of this room, it is either eternal life or eternal death. It is either eternal blessing in heaven or eternal curse in hell based on whether or not you will repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. God has set it before us again, church, today by his word. Look at the second half of 19. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Choose life. It's been mentioned earlier in the service that we don't know if we've got this afternoon to live. We could die today. The Holy Spirit spoke through Jason at the ministry mic. Pray to God that doesn't happen. I want to live a long life with you by my side, brothers and sisters. But we know the uncertainties of this world. Who knows, but that this might be the last time you ever hear the gospel preached. And God in his mercy is reaching out his arms to you. His arms are open wide. He'll receive you, sinner. He, He received me. He'll receive you. 
And your sins in my own mind aren't greater than mine. Would you choose life today? Would you turn away from everything that you know is wrong? Would you turn to Christ today in repentance and in faith and allow Him to come and give you a new heart so that you're born again? You're thinking, I don't think I could do all this. Listen, He's going to give you everything. He's going to give you everything you need for life and godliness. Satan wants to turn it into a mountain that you could never climb. The Word is near you. He loves you so much, sinner. Turn to Him. Choose life. Don't choose death. Choose Jesus Christ. And you'll have eternal life. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank You for Your Holy Word. You appeal, You appeal, Lord, through Your Scriptures. I put before You life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. Almighty God, I pray for all of our little ones in the room. I pray for all of our teens. Almighty God, I pray for all of us in this room, some who have been professing believers for years. God, come and touch and test our hearts this morning. See if there be any wicked way in us, Lord, and lead us in the way of everlasting life. Almighty God, grant us all fresh repentance. Grant us all, as the people of Israel did in this context, fresh renewal of the covenant. Thank you for the repentance and faith in our lives in the past. But God, you would have us commit to you afresh today. And I ask you to do that. Would you grant repentance and faith? Would you grant a new heart to everybody here and to all who are hearing this message? Lord, would you grant a new heart to our little ones and to our grandchildren, some who have not yet been born? Would you help us, Lord God, to walk in your ways and to be faithful to you? Would you help us to commit to you right now? There would be no holding back, Lord, in our followership of you because you didn't hold anything back in your sacrifice for us. And I thank you most of all, God, that our our making it to heaven doesn't ultimately depend firstly upon our commitment to you. But God, you have been committed to your people. Generation after generation were unfaithful to you and yet you were faithful to them. God, what would we do without you? We, we would have nothing. We would have nothing without you. But we are so thankful that you are a faithful God. Faithful to your covenant that you've made by your blood when your people 
are unfaithful to you. We love you and we are so thankful for your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Save anybody here who's not saved, God. I pray that they would go to heaven when they die and they wouldn't go to hell. Let not any of our precious little ones go to hell. God, have mercy on us, Lord, as a local church. Protect us from sort of being an outward religion place ever. And let it be worship with spirit and in truth here. Let it be real. From the oldest to the youngest here, God, we pray for the praise of your glory and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you and I may live. Isn't he awesome, church? We're going to live. We live now and we're going to live forever with him in heaven because of what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, God bless you, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and enjoy.